Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. You know, and that's a scary place to be, that many times when you go on the journey to find your identity in God, you sometimes find yourself in the middle of a space that feels like a wilderness. And we find ourselves in a place that's very uncomfortable. And our temptation in that moment is, well, I want to go back. You know, like the Israelites said, we want Moses, you brought us out here. We're going to die out here. Take us back. At least we had good food. You know, because that's what they knew. This, the, the identity they had understood But what they forget, what we forget often in the journey towards wholeness and healing in God is we look back to what we once knew and say, well, it was better. At least I had good food. But we forget the main point. We were enslaved. You were in slavery back there. You don't want to go back there. Stay on the journey. The end of the matter will be good. Um, You know, sometimes... You know, that journey does feel like that, but we need the journey. It's the journey from what we've known into the unknown of finding ourselves in God that gets us to the place where we can live in that reality. The, the Israelites needed the journey in the wilderness to prepare them to receive the promise. And if they were ready sooner, I bet they would have got there sooner. <laughs> uh, but many times we're on a journey for a while, and, and rather than turn back because we're not there yet, we need to press in to our wilderness moment, knowing that we are being led just as they were. You know, if we're willing to follow, a good, good father is leading. He's, he's like a, a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. You know, I think of the cloud representative of the Holy Spirit. If we were want to find ourselves whole, we want to find our identity in God, he will grant us the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead us moment by moment, day by day, into the heart of his promises. And in the night seasons, he will provide the fire, the light of his word to light our way. If we stay on the journey, his word will light us to the way of all of his fulfilled promises. If we don't give up, if we don't turn tail and run, I'm going to share my story in a second because, as I said, we all have a story. We're all on the way of finding ourselves in him. Um, We have to believe, though, that God truly is good and that he has something better for us than what we experienced so far. And though the journey may be scary, it will be worth it that we will go find the wholeness, the healing, the true identity of ourself that we've always looked for when we find it. In him, but we got to go on the journey. Got to go on the journey with the Father and find ourselves. There is no other way, and the identity has to come from Him and Him alone. It's not going to be in our family, whether they're good or bad, our church identity, our neighborhood, our profession. All those things are faulty, lesser facades of identity. It's each person finding who they are, who God created them to be, in Him alone where we come fully alive. My story, uh, I'll try to make it quick. I haven't lived that long, but I can spend a long time telling you my story. I uh, was born into a, a, a intense 
broken marriage. My parents divorced when I was one and a half. I don't remember it. Uh, my dad was awarded custody, and uh, so I was with him solo until I was about four, and he remarried. When he remarried, um, I got a new mom and three older siblings. Mom is amazing. She's uh, made me who I am today. My biological mom was very troubled, the life of uh, drinking drugs, and uh, yeah, she's with the Lord today, hallelujah, uh, that she had her own journey. But when I, my dad remarried and I had three older siblings who came out of an abusive home, I felt lost, forgotten. I can connect the dots now. I didn't then. But I felt like I lost my dad. And I remember then going up through boyhood, feeling an ache on the inside, through adolescence then, feeling drawn often to men. I could tell you now I know why. There was a vacuum, necessary, needed attention that I never got. And uh, I didn't know where else to get it. Come through adolescence, it all gets sexualized. But also, God was good, merciful, and kind to me. As a nine-year-old boy, I accepted Jesus, heard the voice of God. And he was leading me well, even though my family was not at all religious. Uh, my grandmother took me to church. God bless her. I met Jesus at her little Baptist church in Dewey, Oklahoma. And so I had the presence of Jesus. I had the voice of Jesus, but I had an ache. And I had a brokenness on the inside. Uh, but I knew it wasn't God's will for me. But I couldn't get away from the draw on the inside. Um, the older I got, the more I sought the Lord. And when I got to college, Jesus was everything. Um, but there was still an ache on the inside. And uh, while I was there at college, was befriended by uh, a young man who was also a professing Christian. And uh, became uh, my best friend. And I was so enjoying all the attention because it was filling the love tank uh, left there by many years of feeling absent from my father that uh, I just enjoyed the attention and didn't realize the hole that I was falling into, especially with someone who said they loved the Lord like I did. Um, soon it became uh, slowly, I will say this about myself, I was, have often been very innocent and naive. I didn't realize uh, this dude had other motives and uh, he did a couple times uh, try to be predatory. I put him off every time. And then one night, God gave me a dream. And uh, showed me where this relationship would take my life. Scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning. I, I don't say that often. So, uh, please understand. I mean it. <laughs> uh, and I understood what was going on, where this, this traffic would take my life. And I uh, remember I called my friend. I said, I see where this is going, and this is not the life I want to live. I'm done <laughs> uh, with this. And it set me on a, the journey, the journey of understanding I had a brokenness I couldn't fix. I had a, a vacuum of love I couldn't fill, but I knew the answer. And for uh, a couple of years, went on this journey of finding myself in the Father, finding myself in God, because by the help of the Holy Spirit, I realized where the brokenness, where the void, where the vacuum had come from, that it was from feeling like I'd lost my dad. Now, for his, to his credit, my dad's amazing. I think he did a great job with everything that he had. He did the best he could with what he had. I admire him to this day for, one, being a single father for a handful of years. Now that I have kids, I understand even better. 
but then taking on three kids who had been amused that weren't his own and raising them as his own. I admire him to this day. But my little kid heart didn't understand all that the way I, I do now. And it wasn't his fault the brokenness came in. Satan's an equal opportunity hater. He hated me just like he hates you. And he sees the opportunity, but God was bigger. Yeah. So went on the journey, literally finding myself in God. And what that looked like for me was uh, taking every bent emotion, every bent thought, and it was literally almost a daily practice of getting alone in a room with God and the Bible and worship music and saying, this is what I'm feeling. This is how I feel. This is what I see is broken, and I know I can't fix it, and I give myself to you. And the next day, showing up, the Bible and worship music in a room all by myself. This is what I'm feeling, and I'm broken, and I can't fix it. I need you. And going on a journey of asking God to be my father. I said, I, I feel like I lost my father, but you're a father. You've identified yourself as father forever. Now be a father to me. And, and slowly but surely, God met me at very significant points in my life. And I, again, I said I could take hours to share my story. Where he really came in as father. Taught me the things I always wished my dad would teach me. Helped me fix my car one day. I never learned how to do that. God the father spoke to me <laughs> on how to fix my car. It meant so much. Because in that moment, I'm like, God, you really are a father. You really do see me. You really do know me. It's not just a cool name that you gave yourself. You're the best father. You're the father we all need. Yeah. And there he was. And I could say now um, I've been fully transformed. I found myself in the father. I thought that maybe I'd be single forever. But then God had better plans for me uh, and led me to my wife now of 20 years. I've got two kids. Along the journey, God has allowed me not just to find my own freedom, but to have my life intersect with many who've experienced the same brokenness and see them get to find themselves in the Father. And I've seen people come out of very dark places, experience the reality of God's love, and be completely changed. It's real. It's real. Yeah. He's real. Yeah. It's not just a, a mind bend. It's not just believing in your heart. It's that God transforms lives. It's the business he's in. I want to close by sharing a scripture and then invite some of our friends to share today. Thanks for the microphone, guys. This is working so good. This scripture forever stands to me as, uh, and there are so many we could reference, but the story of the gospel for every human. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and it starts out heavy. Just hang on. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither is a sexually immoral, or idolaters, or adulterers, or homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to stop there for a second. That's the heavy piece. It's heavy. The wrongdoers won't get in, right? And the truth is, I could stop on each one of these and, and point the arrow at everyone in the room. Because as much as we want to count ourselves out of those categories, Jesus would unpack it for you and say, oh, maybe you're not an adulterer, but have you looked at someone lustfully? You know, you're not a murderer, but have you ever thought hateful thoughts or called your brother or sister a fool? He calls that murder. All right, so we're all in here. All right, so bullseyes on everyone. Verse 11, this is the important piece. 
And that is what some of you were. Past tense. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That's what some of us were, but God. That God's in the business of changing lives. That no matter what we were before we came into the kingdom, the nature of the gospel is that we are made new. Every single person that comes into the kingdom of God is under the work of transformation. And we no longer even get to carry with us our former identities. Whatever you did before, however you identified before you came to know Jesus, no longer has a bearing. Even if you struggle. It doesn't say you didn't struggle anymore. You'll never sin again. It says that's not who you are. (laughs) That's the good news of the gospel. That when you come into the kingdom and you're given a new identity, you're set on a journey. And the journey is the process of learning to live in his kingdom and find your identity in him. And I want to say for the record, that's so important for us to realize. That the gospel is about transformed life. And I'm so glad Because if you could come to Jesus and remain the same, what good is it? What kind of hope is there for anyone in this world if the gospel isn't about going from what you were to what you're becoming? The, The truth is you can't get from what you were to what you're becoming without Jesus. But once you're in Jesus, the process is in motion. You're no longer your struggle. You're no longer your sin issue. You are becoming. You're becoming, you're being made new. Until you meet him in the sky or meet him in heaven forever, you're becoming what he called you to be. And what we once were no longer in his, eye, in his eyes exists. He says, that's not who you are. That's not what I see when I look at you. That's not who I made you to be. And I'm about making you who I made you to be. That's who we were. But those who are in Christ Jesus have been washed cleansed, redeemed. And that's the story for every human. And that is good news. Transformation is good news. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm going to bring up Holly to share her story. Would you give her a big welcome? Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, I am Holly, and I have a loud voice, so how was that? Is that better? Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you for everyone who's come out, and for many that I have here that are friends. This is my first time in 20 years that I'm giving my testimony. <laughs> and that will be a part of my testimony to explain why. When I was young, a lot of things in my life were very different. I knew right away at the age of five that I was different, but I didn't know why. I just thought differently. I felt differently. I saw things differently. I was just different. But nobody could tell me why. I was into everything, curious about everything, wanted to do everything because I just loved doing stuff. I was a tomboy. But nobody told me why I was different. At about the age of five, it was my first experience from a young boy four doors up in my neighborhood where I was experiencing exposure, experienced something that happened to my body. Didn't understand it. I was five years old. What do you know at five? 
but I was told to never say anything. So I never said a word. From that point forward, many things began to happen. It seemed like no matter where I was at, no matter what I was doing, sex was coming at me. And I didn't know why. What was wrong with me? Was I asking for it? I was young. What would I know? But things happened, but I never told anyone because I was always told, you will get in trouble if you tell. So I never said anything. At about the age of six or seven, How's this? Is this better? At about six or seven, I was trying to wonder what was wrong with me, and I was learning how to shut down and hide myself. Again, I was a tomboy. So I just hid behind the fact that I liked to be out in the neighborhood doing all kinds of things. And at that point, my mother, God love her, she was a wonderful woman, but in her mind, I needed to be a girl. So my mother made me wear dresses and gave me home perms because in her mind's eye, I was not looking like a girl. And at that point, I started to question, what am I? Am I a boy or a girl? Because I, like, I felt like a girl, but I loved to build. I loved to do things that guys did, and I didn't think that there was anything wrong with it at the time. My mother did not understand the trauma that that caused in me because I was already shutting down, so it just add to the trauma. So at about the age of 12, we lived in California, and my father brought us back under the guise that he was going to travel back out to California and come home to live with us, and he never returned, and he disappeared. I lost my father. Didn't understand why, didn't know why. Why did he leave? What was going on? And so then when we were offended to raise ourselves because my poor mother was going through her own trauma. And so at that age is when a, first, a girl, a friend came and exposed herself to me. And I thought, okay, well, this is something that's happened in my life. This is normal. This is what's going on. You experiment, you do things. I needed love, I needed someone there. So it happened. But in my heart, something still wasn't right. Now mind you, I grew up in a Christian home and I was saved as a child. And I understood who God was. What I didn't know and understand is why these things were happening to me. And I couldn't tell anyone. And so, I became wild. I just did what I wanted to do. I lived my own life. I was very independent, very strong-willed. At the age of 16, my father decides to come back. Whoa, my father's alive. We thought he was dead. Only to find out that my parents had been long divorced even before I was born. So there comes the enemy. Who am I? Was I his? Did I belong to somebody else? All these questions that the enemy just had open doors to because I had no answers. Secrets were big in my family. So that's how I was able to shut down and hide everything. Secrets were big in my family. 
And I'll never forget the day that I'm sitting in the back seat with my younger brother and sister, and my father's in the front seat after he had come back with his new wife, which was very confusing. He's looking in the rearview mirror, and because my grandmother, his mother, told him so many things about me that was going on, some of them lies, yes. Some of them exaggerated, yes. Only speaking of this troubled child instead of a hurt young woman, my father looked at me and said, you are no longer my daughter, and I'll never forget the eyes. I'll never forget what it did to me that day, and I was ousted out of my family as far as my father was concerned. I'll never forget that day. So I was confused. Then began the journey, how do I please my father to get him to love me? What do I got to do? My mother, she raised us the best she could. She lost herself into work so that she could deal with her own pain of everything that was going on. So we raised ourselves, and I made so many decisions based off I just needed someone to love me. I needed someone to hear this little girl that was crying inside of me that nobody could hear. I could hear her, but nobody else could because she was already walled in. So at about 18 years old, I thought I'd get married. I was dating this guy, and I thought I would get married. If I get married, my father will accept me. If I get married, everybody around me will accept me because I was already told that, you know, you had experiences with girls. Sex is dirty. What are you doing? I heard these words all the time. So if I got married, I'd be accepted. I'd be normal. Praise God he showed up for me. <laughs> An angel showed up for me that, that night before this guy was attempting to rape me. And I was in a cast from a car accident that almost killed me that year. And I was in a cast, so I was not in a position to just get up and walk out. I really was scared for my life at that moment. This guy who was going to marry me wanted to rape me. And he was trying his best. But an angel came into that room. And suddenly he fell asleep like that, and I was able to get up and go. And I never looked back. I knew this woman who was 11 years older than I was, a Christian woman, a leader in the church. I called on her. And we went to church one day, one Sunday. I have this person saying, it's okay to be a lesbian. It's okay. God loves us. Because we love each other, God loves us. I kept hearing this. And that day, the preacher was given a sermon on Romans 1, only it wasn't a sermon of love. Instead of coming at me with love and convicting me enough to go down that aisle and ask for help, I felt more condemnation and I felt so much shame because I kept hearing how I'm an abomination. But you have to understand, this was over 20 years ago. I'm 54 years old. This was 20 years ago when during that time, homosexuality, you could not talk about it. You could not be seen. I was in the Air Force. Don't ask, don't tell. So even though I was still in a closet, within a closet, within a closet. Except for this little girl was behind a brick wall so thick that I never thought she would come out. So at 18, I heard that message and I said, no more. I looked up to the sky and I said, God, until you tell me yourself, until you come to me with truth, 
because I didn't believe the words of man. Because I kept hearing, don't do this, but I would see them do that. I would hear, you're going to go to hell if you do this, but yet you're turning around and you're doing that. I did not understand how you can say one thing and do another and tell me that I am so wrong. This is what I heard. So I no longer trusted man's words from anyone. And so I said, God, until you come to me, I'm choosing to go this way and live in this lifestyle because at least I can create a new identity. Nobody knows that wounded little girl and I can be whoever I want to be. And that's what I did. I created another identity because she was damaged. Nobody wanted her. Nobody could understand her. So for over 20 years, I lived in that lifestyle. I moved around a lot. I experienced a lot of life. But I knew God was with me the whole time. I never questioned God. God showed up for me in so many places of my life and so many things that happened and occurred. He always was there to get me out. He was always there. I always knew him, but I never recognized him as somebody who was personal to me. But I knew who he was. At about 39 years old, I was in my last partnership. And I was about seven years with her. I had bought a house, you know, did the, what we call, you know, we, we tried to do the normal thing, the house, the two cars, the kid, you know, what we do, what heterosexuals did. We tried living that life. It was normal. At about seven years in, I noticed that something was changing in me and I didn't know why. Because God and his amazing awesomeness throughout my whole journey in that lifestyle, I was surrounded by Christian homosexuals. Christian. We always talked about God and religion, but we still lived the lifestyle. And I listened in on these conversations and I heard how, you know, they would take the word of God and they would say, but but this is true. You can't believe this because this had everything to do with the past in, in back in those days, and it doesn't refer to now. So I, I've heard the arguments about the Bible and homosexuality. I heard them all. But still, I never took anything in because, again, I did not want to believe man for nothing. Nobody's words, only God's words were important to me. So at about 39, I'm standing in my living room, and my partner's in this chair over here, and I knew something was happening, something was wrong, but I couldn't place what it was. Something was changing. Was it me? Was it her? Was it just the atmosphere around me? She was actually watching Joyce Meyer, of all things. And she was just, I love this woman. She is great. She's speaking truth. And I looked at her and I'm like, you have no idea. But I did. I didn't know how I knew, but I knew. And so it's one of those moments where only the Holy Spirit can make this happen. You're looking at the TV, and suddenly Joyce turns to me, and she says, Holly, it's time to come home. And I knew those were the only words I needed to hear because I knew God said, it's time, Holly. I'm here for you now. And it's not that he wasn't here for me all back there. He was there for me the whole time. But he was waiting for me to get to a place to where I was ready to hear truth. But it took another month for me to get home from Florida. 
And I can honestly tell you that seeds that are sown in a lifestyle in this world, things that are spoken, doors that are open, when you say yes to God, everything comes calling for their ticket and saying, I want you, and you can't go. And it was all hell to keep me where I was at. I, I was in a fight for my life to get back home from Florida because I knew what God said, and all I needed was that truth. And so finally, yes, my partner ended up having an affair. The one thing that God knew that would break me was betrayal because I had already experienced so much betrayal from abandonment, from rejection. I, re I experienced so much betrayal that that was the one thing that he knew that he could at least remove one block to get in to get that little girl and rescue her. The pain was so great from that. And it wasn't so much about her. It was, again, the betrayal. It, was, it triggered the mountain of things that were back there that happened to me. It triggered all of that to start crumbling down. One night I was done. And it wasn't that I wanted to commit suicide. It wasn't that I sought it. I was just done. I was ready to leave and go create a whole other identity because I was so good at it. And I found ways that I could go and hide and nobody could touch me. I didn't have to show that pain. But I reached out to my mother who prayed for me all the time and who loved me through everything. And she prayed. There's one thing about my mother. Holly, I don't accept what you're doing, but I love you and I will stand by you. And she did. She's on a prayer call with me. She's praying with me. My little sister's praying with me. And I hang up the phone and I finally look to God and I said, I will leave everything behind. I will follow you with everything in me. If you just remove this pain inside of me because I couldn't take it anymore. It's that pain where it doubles you over, where you can't walk, where you can't see, where you can't think. It's that kind of pain. It doesn't help that I was an extremely sensitive person, so it added to it. <laughs> but that night was my first visitation from God. He literally reached down and he grabbed me and he pulled me up and he ministered to me all night long all night when he sat me back down in the morning in my body I, I got up and I was a completely different person he had taken all the pain away he had taken so many past hurts that all I knew is that when I got up I had to get home but I didn't know how to get home I owned a house I had everything I, I had a life down in Florida how do I get home he sent the very woman that I was sending in church with, he sent her down to get me because he knew I would come. He knew that she could help me. God uses everything he can to get to you and everyone. It doesn't matter the condition. He will use everyone. So we, we finally get out. They finally get me home. But before that, he says, leave everything behind. Only pack up your car with your clothes and leave everything behind. So I walked away from my home. I walked away from everything I owned. Handed everything over to that partner. 
I said, I'm done. I have to go. She didn't understand why I would do that. I said, I just have to do what the Lord said to do. And so I get home, and that's what began my real journey. My real journey was discovering who God was. My real journey was undoing the identity that I created so that I could become the identity that he created. And that was a journey. That was a journey. Because when I came to church, I was told that I'm never to give my testimony. I'm never to give my testimony because I will not serve in the ministry, nor will I have female friends. The fear of that alone kept me locked up again. So in closet upon closet, only to come into another closet yet again. And so my journey was a very struggled journey. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to be. I just wanted female friendship. I was crying on the inside. How do I be when I can't be myself? And so it was a struggle journey, but God knew what he was doing. He walked me through because he used everything, everything to remove block by block by block to get to that little girl who once existed. The one that I buried, the one that I hid away. The one who doesn't have that trauma. I did lose friends. I did lose Christian friends when I did say that. And it hurt. Every time it hurt so much. And I swore I'll never tell another person. Every time But God says, no, I need you to tell this person. Why? They keep going away. And it was always female friends. And it's not that, you know, I didn't have homosexual attraction. I had sexual problems because I was being invaded as a young child. Sex was, all, sex was something that affected me. Pardon me. Let me get this behind my back. So it, it was that. It was the shame of the sex and, and just trying to be friends with females and being afraid to go on trips or whatever because... Oh my gosh, if they find out about me, are they going to want me to sleep in the same room with me? These were things that the enemy used. Do I hug them because I don't want them to think they're going to be gay then? You know, it, it, because these are things that are said to you. And it's, it's hard road. It's a hard road coming out. I'm not going to lie to you. It can be a hard road if you're not loved by people, if you're not loved by Christians who say, come on, I'm here with you. I don't look at your sin but I want to get to that person that's broken and let's help her get healed. And that's what I needed. That is not what I received. So I learned to trust God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And throughout my 20 past years, I have an amazing relationship with every one of them. And it's like, wasn't until 2019, because God knew that this day was going to happen, that he delivered me from the fear of man. I didn't even realize I had that. In 2019, I met God as a loving father for the first time because I knew him as God, sovereign, but I didn't know him as that loving father. And when he came in and showed me that love, that fear went away. And now I'm here today. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I have been unhealthy physically for the past seven years. 
and it's been a journey just in the past weeks. Getting to this moment, I'm not going to lie to you, I've had some barnacles rubbed off of me to get to this point. Praise God for good friends <laughs> who knows how to coach you out of it and encouraging friends back here. It's, it was hard. It was just all these residual things that tried to come at me to say, no, you're still in this place. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. But I can tell you in the past two weeks, my health has taken a change in, in being healed this way. So my health was affected by my soul being trapped and not being able to be free and into my fullness of my identity until today. So, thank you. Thank you. I would like to bring up my brother in Christ, Matthew Thorpe. Amen. Hopefully this will work and we won't have any issues for now. We'll see. We'll see. So my name is Matt. I uh, actually grew up in the church. Uh, my grandmother actually adopted me when I was a child. Uh, due to some bad life circumstances, my mom and dad were not able to raise me. So my grandmother adopted me when I was one years old. And so that was the beginning that kind of allowed me to go down to this lifestyle. Not having my mother, not having my father uh, was a big, huge rejection. Um, it's one thing when you don't have one um, one parent, but it's a whole nother thing when you don't have either parents and you have a grandmother that grew up in a different time that didn't necessarily know how to express love in a way that uh, a parent nowadays may know how. But luckily my grandmother raised me in a solid church that I, I heard about Jesus. Uh, but even with that, there comes challenges relationship-wise. And when I was about six years old, I was actually molested by um, a childhood friend, and that kind of really kind of put me into a, a corner of where now I go from being a, a fun, loud little kid to a, a quiet little kid. And then my grandfather, who had adopted me with my grandmother, he had actually passed away. And so that was just kind of another big, you know, here, no parents, I had grandmother, I had grandfather, uh, but my grandfather, he passed away. and. Then a year later, I was raped by a neighborhood girl. And so from there, things just kind of unraveled with my identity. I tried to actually take my own life um, a year later. And luckily, a neighborhood um, gentleman saw me trying to hang myself in the tree, and he cut me down in the process. And uh, from there, it just became a continuous cycle. Uh, by the age of 10, I was doing sexual favors for people in the neighborhood to really become um, protected because I was just a small little guy, um, just lucky to be alive um, given my circumstances. And so relationships for me were never taught in a healthy way based on what I had experienced and what things I had ran into. And so by the time I was about 12 or 13, I started engaging into an actual relationship with some of my close friends. And so by the time I was about 14, 15, I had entered into a relationship with one of my closest friends. And but on the outside, we were both dating girls in middle school, being sexually active with girls. But then on the backside where 
you know, having sexual relationships with each other. And it's by the grace of God that I stand here with no disease, never once, um, because the chances of me contracting something was very high. I never had any protection or anything from anything. So it was a very um, miracle um, in that alone that God really protected me. But jumping a few years ahead as through high school, uh, it was still a challenge. Um, I was a jock, so I was playing sports. I was a captain of the wrestling team, captain of the tennis team. So you have to kind of live this big life in front of the spotlight. But then you have this huge dark secret in the back end. I'm involved going to church faithfully because my grandma says, as long as you live in my house, you will be on church on Sunday and Wednesday night. And if there's a revival, you're there every night. <laughs> so it was a continuous hearing about Jesus, but still having my internal struggle because, of course, we've hear, heard pastors say it from the pulpit, if you're homosexual, you're going to hell, you know, you're condemned. We've kind of treated that particular thing as a, bigger thing than anything else and so hearing that it was always an internal struggle and I didn't really come to get the Lord until after I graduated high school I actually was at church camp um, going into my senior year and I heard the Lord call me into ministry but I was still struggling internally um, emotionally and everything with homosexuality I hadn't really had any sexual relations at that time I kind of just been so busy with life and sports God had kind of used that to kind of really help me separate out of that. And so I ended up going off to Bible college after I graduated high school, accepted the Lord my first week at Bible college, and um, really just fell in love with the Lord. And as I came back years later, um, when I was about 22, 23, I found myself struggling um, with homosexuality thoughts and finding myself kind of attracted to some of my close friends at the time. And luckily, they were the best people that have around because they never judged me. Um, I'm sure they probably got uncomfortable when I expressed my challenges. But instead of them getting fearful and running, they prayed for me. They loved me. And really, they just encouraged me to keep going in the Lord. And uh, so through that, I just kept pushing my way, struggling, kind of trying to figure out who I was. I didn't know who I was. You know, I cut my hair one way, dress one way, change it up another time just because I couldn't figure out who I was, didn't know, okay, God, I know you call me in ministry, but what does my personality mean? You know, like, I, well, what does that mean? You know, all the time I talk, I'm monotone. She's like, man, this guy talk like a robot. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, a year or so, uh, probably I would say it was 2010, 2012, I actually met um, Stephanie, um, through Chicago, and I met her, uh, we were having a meeting in a closet at a church, and um, <laughs> lost and found closet, but um, in that place, though, she didn't know my story, she didn't know my struggle, but God led her to ask me, are you okay, because she could see something just deep down inside of me, just something wasn't right, and I just, for some reason, I just didn't know her, I just felt safe to say, listen, this is, this is where I'm at, this is my struggle, and she said, okay, well, you know, let's just, you know, pray and ask God to just kind of love you as a son and for you to find him as a father, and um, so she used the relationship to pour into me, and she encouraged me through providing some different resources, 
But the biggest thing is she never tried to correct my sin. She just loved me and pointed me to the Father. And some of the pastors that I was around, they were doing the same thing. They knew my journey. And so I was blessed to have many pastors around me in my circle that not once did they try to fix my behavior, you know, what we call modified behavior, but really they focused on me having a heart transformation experience. And so um, probably within a year or two um, after meeting Stephanie and just really being consistent with getting to know the Lord as a son, um, but also getting to know him as a father. Sometimes it's easy for us to get to know him as a father, but then we forget to know him from a position of a son or a daughter. And so doing that, I was able to really find total freedom um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, and so after being in that lifestyle for 14 years, the Lord freed me. And since then, I've been totally free, and I'm now 33 going on 34. So it's been a long time since um, even being into that lifestyle. And so I'm just grateful to be here to share with you more of my story and with these wonderful people. So thank you. This is Mike Hughes 101. Mike yeah. Thanks for joining us. Forward and straight, right? I, sounds good. Mine sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. He's working on getting us all yes. on. All right. Can we just thank you guys? These stories. Oh. Come on. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? You, you two both are amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so your story. You. <laughs> I got more free just listening to you share today. Amen. Like seriously. Totally blessed my heart. I wanted to say it. The goodness of God. As as a group, right? First, you're gonna laugh, but I want you to repeat after me. Say sex. Sex. Is a beautiful thing. It's it's a, a beautiful thing. thing. Yeah. That was dangerous. Saying, right? Just sex is not bad. Okay? So I want to throw that out there. And everyone hears that and goes, oh, that pastor said I mean, sex is not bad. Sex is amazing. God made it. When we he made it good. in the way that God intended for it to be used. There you go. Yes. It's intended to be joined, you know, between a, um, a husband and wife. And it's a beautiful and it's a pure thing and it's a lovely thing. Totally. And I could, I was so blessed by the transparency and the vulnerability yes. of what you guys shared. That took a lot of courage, it amen? Totally, so good. Yes, thank you. That's yeah. right. Come on, that's right. Give me a hand, yeah. <laughs> and the beauty of having these conversations, I kind of just did like the generic welcome today because I knew I'm a talker, <laughs> and I'd be talking a lot later. <laughs> yeah, just like, I'm going to say something. <laughs> just <hand>. practicing. <laughs> so, but I wanted to just say, you know, sex is a beautiful thing. It's, it's not, sex is not dirty, okay? Sex is not dirty, but just like both of their testimonies shared, when that happens to us at an age when we're not ready to be activated in that way, we don't know what we don't know. Can anybody say amen? Yeah. Okay. So that being said, I just, God is good. Mm -hmm. And hear what we're not saying. We're not saying sex is dirty. Sex is beautiful. I just no, want to I throw heard that it out described there. like loud this. And clear, amen. It's powerful. It's yes, powerful, it's on purpose, powerful. Yes. Fire in the fireplace yeah, can heat on. the home and cook your meal. That's right. Fire outside of the fireplace will destroy the forest. Come on, say that. And I that's think that right. that's what you're that's talking right. about. That's exactly it's right. It's powerful. That's it can be powerful in the context of covenant. Yeah, the way God intended, that's in the yes. fireplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our goal today really is just to try and have a 
conversation, a living room conversation. Absolutely love these two people. They're both good friends. Absolutely love Jesse. I'm so thankful. Wasn't his portion precious, you guys? Yes. I thought okay. it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's Thanks. like, I thought it was good. I mean, it was. It I'm was really good. good. I was like, oh, he planned something. I was just like, and here we are to talk about Jesus again. I had my again. notes. So yeah, you did a fantastic <laughs> job. Um, but the goal today really is just to have a real authentic conversation, right? I mean, how many times do you get to go to church and hear somebody say, is it sex with you? Okay, the truth is it I'm is. I'm glad you said it. Uh, thank you, I am too. It's very important for people to know that. That's how marriages stay strong. I'm just keeping it real, folks. <laughs> so, the reality is this. No one wants to talk about this stuff, okay? Four but, of us do. Well, the four of us do, right. right. But, y- you know, the room oftentimes gets real quiet and people get mm-hmm. all nervous. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, how do we go about this conversation? Should we say anything? Should we not say anything? I don't want to hurt anybody. Boy, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Listen. That we're just going to throw this out there in the beginning of the conversation. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. You're human. Neighbor. You're human. Is <laughs> it? guess yeah. what? I am. So am I. So am I. <laughs> so am I. All right? <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. That's okay. You're off the hook today. We're going to have a real, what I call a family talk. My kids know what that means. Uh-oh. We're going to keep it real. All right? So you may have heard some things today where you were like, you may have heard some things today where you went, oh my gosh, that really touched my heart. You may have heard what I just said about sex and your flesh is going, dear Jesus, I wish you would quit saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, God is in the business of authenticity. Come on now. Okay? And we have a beautiful opportunity right now to pull back the veil and have a very loving, gracious, honest conversation about the realities of what covenant looks like in the kingdom. And that's our goal, to talk about that today. Yeah. And really, you guys are experts of, in the sense, and, and even you with your testimony, Jesse, and that's why I'm, I just feel so honored for all of you guys being here. Thank you for coming. Um, I, I feel like as the church, we need to understand one of the reasons for me, I want to love well. Yeah. I want to understand. And, and I want to see people whole and healthy and happy and full of him and knowing who they're created to be and who God made them to be and walking in the fullness of their destiny because I know, I believe, that's the place of greatest joy and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And you spoke to that a little bit, both of you did, really. Um, so I don't know. We're going to ask a couple questions, and we're just going to kind of go back and have a conversation. And we've got little signals. So when you see us going like this, it's because one of us has something to say. You guys are on the <laughs> no now. All right, so you kind of kind of got us down, but I don't know, Jesse. Do you want to start us off with the first question? Yeah, let's do it. I think it's really helpful that you said this is a conversation. Yeah. We're all on the journey, so that's right. We may not get it all right, mm-hmm. but this is the conversation we all need to be having. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys ready to dive in? Amen. So that's we're talking good. about identity today, uh, and we're pointing a lot of the questions <laughs> to you guys, but we may talk. Oh, I'm definitely gonna uh, talk. Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> 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 Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the attention. Talking about identity today, how did you, what was the process for you discovering who God says you are and how did that bring healing? Now, you shared it a bit in your testimonies, but give us just a little bit more on that. I know for myself, uh, I learned to try and find my identity in Jesus. And by doing that, I was able to kind of find more um, versus trying to sometimes, I think, when we're coming out of this struggle or people that are struggling, we tend to direct them towards scripture. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, read this scripture or yeah. pray more or read this book. And while that is all great, sometimes when you're able to find truly who Jesus is, that's the greatest opportunity to find your identity in him. 
So talk about what that process looked like for you then. Right. So it was listen, Matt. What is that? What did? Yeah. So if somebody's never heard of Jesus. Mm. Can you walk them through that process right now? Like describe who he is. And yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't a process that happened overnight. It wasn't a process that happened over a week. It was a. It's actually for me. It's still a continuing process. But I really began to learn who he was by saying, okay, Jesus, I know you came to save me, but not in a sense of you came to save me from homosexuality, but you came to save me in general. And I think sometimes we don't just look at that as a core reason. We try and put the sin behind the reason why he should, why he's come and died and why we should get saved. But so I took that as kind of like my beginning kind of process of saying, okay, Forget what the the specific struggle is or the sin. I know regardless, I'm in need of him. Come on. So I have to begin getting to know him, putting aside the struggle of homosexuality or any other sins that I've struggled with and just narrowing the focus on getting to know him. Like saying, Jesus, like you're my best friend. You are my brother. You are the son of God. You are deliverer you are a healer you know just all these character traits of who jesus was Mm -hmm. and as i began to declare those over my life but also able to identify with those different things it allowed me to become more one with him in my relationship with him yeah that's so good that is good i love what you said earlier you were talking about the one of you was sharing about the levels of sin right like they've made kind of homosexuality a, a lesser sin the scripture tells us what all of sin and fall short of the glory of god all turn your neighbor say listen all all of it. <laughs> that means you and that means me and it's okay right that's why we need a savior so i love that because it's not about what the sin is it's about who who the savior is and how much he loves us regardless right that's so good yeah that's so good Matt. Thank what you. about for you holly um I'm not a conventional person. I never was as a child. So my <laughs> walk with the Lord was not conventional. So <laughs> I kind of did things backwards um, or in a very different way. Um, I came in with giftings, and I knew I had giftings. And so, unfortunately, the church grabbed my giftings and pulled me into ministry without me being healed. Oh, that's good. So I learned... The hard way of who Jesus was because I was looking at my giftings and the people because I, I was unchurched. I knew no rules of church other than the Baptist church that I grew up in and witnessing that I questioned everything. So I was determined, especially after getting out of the military, I'm going to do what I'm told to do. You know, so... <laughs> I listened to the pastors. This is the way you do things, blah, blah, blah. And, but, but nothing sat with me. And so I was determined to understand the cross and understand the true meaning of the cross and why this awesome God would send his son. Mm-hmm. And who was I in this? Because, again, remember, I felt I was an abomination. And I was afraid to touch people, and I was afraid to let people touch me. And so I didn't feel normal. Even after being saved again, I just didn't, still didn't feel normal in my own skin yet. And so I had to understand, I had to understand that skin that was on that cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. And why he did what he did. 
what does that love really mean to someone who was locked inside and love couldn't get truly get into at that time? What did love mean? And so in that journey of seeking the cross, I started to see the damage that was in me. And so one by one, the damage that was in me, those are the areas where it was like, okay, Jesus came to that part. Let's get healed in that area. Okay, I'm trusting you more. Let's go down deeper. Let's get to another place where I'm damaged. Okay, ooh, don't go to that one yet. You know, there's those moments (laughs) in my journey where it's like, discovering who Jesus was by letting him in there to get in there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to just come to Jesus because everyone says you got to get saved and this is what you do. It was I needed to know. And I'm someone who, I am a seeker. And so I needed to seek him for myself, not so much what everybody else was telling me. And that was the key, is finding him for myself listening to everybody, reading the books, doing everything you're supposed to do, but really it was waiting for him to speak to me. And if you open yourself up to that, he will do that. And so he did. He started to speak to me. And so I got to know him as that brother. I got to know him as that savior. I got to know him. Why? I got to know the why, because I was a why baby. I'm not going to lie. I'm still a why baby. Anybody else a why baby? I'm still a why baby. I still ask God why this, why that, because I'm curious. I want to know. He's not intimidated by our questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I I wanted to know why would this man die for me? Mm. Yeah, come on now. You know, to what depth? Because I was a very deep person, so I had to go deep to find those answers. And so that's what... That's, that was my journey there, knowing Jesus and my why with Jesus. And the cross. And the cross. That's powerful. Yeah. Right. Wow. I, I'd love to hear, what did he say to you when you said, why would you die yeah, for yeah. me? What was his answer to you? Because I uniquely made you. Wow. Mm, come on. And I purposed you. And he told me that he put a seal on my arm for a purpose. That's why I was so different. I was different because he made me that way. Yeah. And he sealed me for a purpose so for such a time as this. Yeah. And I never, I never forgot. And, you know, I picture that seal on my arm. He showed me a picture of it. And, and, and I wear that seal on my arm knowing that it, no matter how ugly life can get, nothing can touch me because I'm his. Mm-hmm. Come on. Nothing can touch me. No matter how much I screw up in so many areas, nothing can take that away from me because I'm his. Yeah, come on, that's so good. Yeah, thank you. So for such a time as this, like, you just shared your pu- testimony publicly for yes. the first time. Yeah, come on. Come that's on. so good. Yeah, <laughs> There's so much freedom in that. <laughs> you touched on this a little, so we'll start with you, but the, the journey of coming out, or the coming out of the lifestyle, like, I'm leaving this behind. I'm going towards God's calling me. You talk about, like, the fears, you know, of being around people. What do they think? Can I hug them? You know, talk a little bit about what that journey looked like, how, how you had to overcome some of those things. That was a struggle. Uh, that was really hard. I was so alone. I was already alone being in the lifestyle because nothing could fill the void, mm. you know, that only Jesus could fill. And I was already alone because of my childhood. Um, So I felt so alone that I was in fear of whoever I told or whatever I did. I was always checking myself, you know, making sure I'm proper, making sure I don't move a certain way or act a certain way. I would ask God, do I look like a boy? 
do I act like a, I'm serious because when you're in that lifestyle, it does something to you. Yeah. It changes you. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you want it to or not, it changes. It puts a spirit on you that is false. Yeah, come on. And so these were the things that I feared coming out of being around females, beautiful females. And I just, all I wanted to do was know how to be one. Yeah. That's all I was looking for. How did you press through to the freedom in that then? Yeah, what helped? What helped? How, if, if people are listening today and they're wanting to come alongside individuals they know that are coming out of that struggle, how, how do you do that well? What does that look like? What are some examples of things that worked and served you well? I had to trust God to bring me the right few people in my life that would help me that I could trust. And I had to trust God to do that. I couldn't go looking for them. Mm. And amazingly enough, he always gave me friends that were married with children because family and relationship was a huge thing that I craved in yeah, my yeah. life. Totally. And so he gave me women who were married with children and I learned how to just be. Mm. I learned how to see things in the lifestyle that God meant, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm not seeing homosexual lifestyle where everything is turned upside down. I was seeing things that would God meant for things to be. And, and so I just, I observed a lot. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time just observing and asking God questions, observing. I didn't share a lot of myself because again, I still wasn't myself yet. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what to share yeah. until I started to figure out through Jesus who I was and what I could share that was actual truth in me and not perception or trauma right, right. or coming from wounds. I needed to share the root of what the truth was that happened so that I can begin to understand how to act beyond that wound and be healed. And it was observing family. Mm. It really was observing family. That's yeah, powerful. powerful. Yeah, so that's a plug for healthy family, right? <laughs> yeah. Their testimony in and of themselves. Covenant speaks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Covenant speaks. Yeah, that's beautiful. What about you, Matt? I think the biggest thing was, for me, I had the right people around me. Who are the right people? I would say people that were able to love me beyond my struggle. Um, also held me account accountable. Uh, but they didn't push um trying to get free on me like they didn't try and like push out me like oh you need to get free you need to get free so once i was able to get free it was really them pouring into me encouraging me uh really reminding me of where i was a year ago or two years ago and really being celebrated and affirmed for my freedom mm -hmm. in christ and so that has continuously helped because i think just as a child if a child is affirmed and who they are, they're able to walk in purpose and kind of know who they are. So I think it's the same it's when you're coming word. out of a struggle, um, or when you can be affirmed for who you are and not attached to that sin or that struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's a good word. I love that. I feel like what I heard you both say in different ways was like um, just the freedom to be without an expectation to conform. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the journey is just allowing you to be because God is forming. You yeah. know, when we press in, you know, um, standards or legalistic boundaries on people, we actually yeah. cage them mm -hmm. from becoming their truest self, which that's the process you were describing is yes. I was learning to become for once. Yeah. Yes. It's so beautiful. And we just sometimes we need space yes. to, to become. 
because uh, God, God's really good at his job of helping us to become, <laughs> yes. and we don't need other people to, to do his part right. yeah, in yeah. our yeah. life. Well, I love what Winnie said earlier when you were talking about the difference between behavior modification versus yeah. life transformation. So maybe yeah. that was you, Matt. Yeah. And from the perspective of the church, regardless of when an individual is coming into the body, that is so important. Where there's, we always say, where there's in our body, we say where there's love, there's liberty. Because where there's liberty for a person to choose, the Lord will have an opportunity. Like Jesse said, He's very good at His job to do whatever needs to be done to help them come into a place that's deeper with the Lord. But when there's not liberty, it does become about behavior modification. And then we're actually creating little Pharisees and mm -hmm. Sadducees, right? They've got the mask on, they look a certain way, they talk the certain talk, but there's no heart change, yeah. right? And, and many of us in the church, I just want to speak to those in the church, maybe you're in that situation and you, you've been told, this is your box, stay in it, here's your mask, get your mask on, what's wrong with you? that's actually not healthy. We want to invite you into this conversation, into that place of liberty, into that place of freedom. You don't have to keep the mask on. I love talking about Paul. We're all called to have a dis Damascus experience. Amen. Okay? It says when, when <laughs> we, we behold him with so an good. unveiled face or we demask and get before the Lord, we're Amen. transformed in that moment from faith to faith and glory to glory. And really what you, I heard you say is I beheld his beauty. I looked at Jesus, I looked at the cross again and again, I looked at what he did for me, and I was changed. Yes. And that's how transformation happens. I just, and I love it. Yes. Now that we're warmed up. <laughs> we're just getting started. Guys ready, ready for one of the bigs, one of the bigs? Sure. We talked about this beforehand, so you guys aren't ready, but they're ready. <laughs> um, you know, one of the big question is, you know, when we speak about people who are in LGBTQIA lifestyle, yeah. do you believe that that is something that is a product of nature, that it's inborn, mm -hmm. or is it a product of environment? Why or why not? Who wants to go first? I'll go. Um, I do believe it's something that um, people that struggle with that and are in that lifestyle, it's something you're born into because of Scripture says you are born into sin in your mother's womb. And so I believe from a biblical standpoint, you are. And I also believe that the environment that you are in will contribute to that. Um, and some of those things can, you know, be not having a father or a mother. Um, or having a father or a mother, but they don't recognize who you are as a child. Right. Uh, so mm -hmm. when you experience rejection or neglect, it's real easy for you to kind of fall in to that lifestyle because really it's just a lie from the enemy trying to get you to find that comfort in somebody else. Mm. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Holly? I, I, I agree. Um, I, I know it, it, during part of my healing journey, the Lord had taken me back to show me my wounding was rejection from the womb. Mm. I, was, I was born with it. I was born into it. My father was an adulterous man. So that door was already open for me, and there was nothing there to say to anything different. You know, even though I was in a Christian home, there was, my mother wasn't healed. And so it just continued on. And so spiritually, yes, through the womb, I really believe that you are, but not, this is not who God created us to be. 
Right. At all. Right. 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 Not yeah. at all. And, um, I, you know, I've been in the arguments. And again, you know, I've seen the twisting of words. And you just, you, God doesn't make anything that's not perfect. Yeah, come on. You know, he makes beauty. And this is not beauty. It wasn't beauty. It wasn't beautiful when I was in the lifestyle. It wasn't beautiful growing up that way. It was not beautiful. So I knew it wasn't God. I never questioned it whatsoever. So spiritually, yes, I, I think that the enemy is just waiting because we are born into sin. So the enemy is waiting for those with open doors. And I had one. Yeah, I, I think spiritually we would agree from a biblical standpoint that sin, nature, we are born with sin nature. Yes. But, you know, the argument comes to, is it coded into our DNA? You know, and people want to make an argument from that for that. And I think the best way in my mind to uh, address that is to turn it to a different issue. You know, like, so for me, my, my family, there's a lot of alcoholism. And there is anecdotal evidence that says you can find genetic coding for that. So I'm predisposed, you know, to alcoholism. So should, then the question is, do I embrace that as normal? God made me this way. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense, right? Or if you can find, as they said, some are, are predisposed to violence. Like, yeah. well, they're going to be violent and they're going to beat their spouse and that's just who they are. They should embrace it, celebrate it. No way. No. We'd never say that. Or someone who, you know... Um, has some sort of impairment or defect from birth, mm -hmm. we don't say that was what God originally intended. Yeah, come on. And so I think that we, we want to take a, a broad brooch, like logical approach to the issue, although I've read a lot and there, there's not been any consistent, concrete, conclusive evidence that it's, it's in the DNA. Well, and I, I would love to comment on that, if that's all right, because I, we always say here, it's not either or, but it's both and. Both and. <laughs> that's right. In Deuteronomy 5, it talks about the sins of the fathers and mothers visiting yes. the children to the third and fourth generations. Okay? There is some scientific evidence that evidence is a proclivity. However, like Jesse said, we are all born into sin. We just are. So we're all born with some proclivity towards something. So with family members yes. whose proclivity was sexual sin, there's a proclivity, mm -hmm. right? Now, like you said, we've got a real live enemy. Yes. And I, I personally would believe, this is my personal belief, and, and you can agree or disagree, but I believe the enemy oftentimes come to, comes after generational lines that have the greatest callings on them. Mm. Yes. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And he knows and understands the generations that came before you and the proclivities that they are, and he sends the right whisperer at the perfect moment to attempt to derail you from your destiny. And I want to tell you something. You have a destiny. There is something that you were created to do before the foundations of the world that no one can do the way you can do it in this hour. Amen. True. You Amen. are literally born for such a time <laughs> as this. Amen. And it doesn't matter what the proclivity was if, like Matt and Holly said, when presented with the reality that the God and creator of the universe, the one who formed you in your mother's womb, 
in that moment when you're presented with the fact that he loved you enough to die for you, to lay down his life, and if you were the only one, he still would have done it. You say, that's the God, the kind of God I want to serve. I say yes and amen to that. That's good. Then in that moment, you have an opportunity to literally be made new. And in the spirit, what happens, it says that Jesus is the prototype. And that you literally become a new creation. And go. that proclivity, I believe, at the very DNA level. That's right. Okay, I'm seeing a, a DNA strand in my mind. The blood of Jesus comes and it shifts it and shuts those things down. And it says, in the spirit, you literally become new. Amen. That's what some of you were. That's right. That's what goes back to what you said. That's what some of you were. That is not who you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am. I am. Like the I am. Like the I am. Okay. You've been made new. You've been made new. That's good. Amen. It's true. Okay. It has to be the truth. It is the truth. If there's no transformation, it's not good news. That's right. The gospel is transformation. Well, and look, this is the reality. I've tried again and again and again and again and again to just save myself from my own issues. Oh, how's that going for you? Not so good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Going back, like Holly said, to the cross is the only thing that works. Anybody else with me, right? We're like, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, and you find yourself in this one area going, I'm just going to keep staying on the gerbil wheel a little bit longer. I think, Lord, if I just try, if I just strive, if I just this, if I just that, and he's going, child, (laughs) will you please come back to me? Yeah. Yes. Will you please yeah. gaze upon my beauty? Look, I paid for it. Yes. I, it's, it's paid for. That's the glory. That's the gift. And really, that's what we're talking about. Yes. It does not have to be a lifelong struggle. Nothing has to be, no matter what it, the issue is. It's a simple glance of his goodness. It's a simple encounter with his love. It's a simple, single moment, face to face, with the one who loves you perfectly. And you are forever changed. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. All right. Sorry. And go, it's a go choice. Ahead, though. It's a choice. I Talk made the choice it. at 18. I chose to go to this lifestyle. Sure. I chose to hide in this place because nobody could touch me. I was in control of me. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. And, and that's what I did. I, I made a choice. Just like it's a choice to believe God. Yeah. It's a choice to obey. Everything is a choice. I know there's some instances out there where thing, bad things happen to people and you have no choice in that, but you have a choice beyond that mm, of how to heal, what to do, where to go. You have choices beyond that, and you have to find that beyond Yeah, it's definitely a choice. I think where we lose sight of that, um, the lie in society, is that we want people to give in to their feelings mm. and give in to the struggle um, and not see it as that I have a choice because of the struggle. Mm-hmm. So we go from seeing it as a struggle to, well, because this is a struggle, then that means this is my truth. And, and that's not the case, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of circumstances that pushed me into that. But I can vividly remember the times where it was a choice for me. And I think where it becomes very um, dirty as far as living in lies is once you give in to that choice, um, then it's really hard to see the truth for what it is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you have 100 people telling you you're wrong. 
But if you're with someone else that makes you feel a certain type of way, society has told us that that's okay. And the big thing that we have to learn to separate is our feelings and our emotions does not always equal the truth. So that's where we have to know the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And uh, you said something about that earlier, Holly, about the truth, that um, you had to learn to love truth. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes the truth is always beautiful, right? And this is where, too, I think the church, we've been really good sometimes at speaking the truth, but we always haven't been good at speaking the truth in love. That's right. And that's where I think we miss it sometimes, right? Yeah, so I just want to apologize. You know, if you've been in a situation and you're out there and somebody spoke a truth to you that was not spoken in love, that is not the heart of God. He always speaks truth because truth is a person. It's Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. But he always speaks the truth in love because he says, this is true, but look, I paid the price. It's okay. Come on, love. Come on. We're going to do this together. You're not alone. We're going to get through this together. You're going to come out on the other side, and you're going to be full of joy, and you're going to feel whole, and you're going to think, I didn't know life could be this good. (laughs) Right. That's right. I didn't know life could be this good. Amen. Amen. You know? He's looking at me like, is she going to keep going? You can keep going. I mean, nobody's mad about it. <laughs> I'm trying. I know. I'm trying to but keep, keep my promise. <laughs> but. <laughs> we hit a big one. Uh, we and did. You led us right into this next space. Is um, We're clearly standing on what the common understanding of the word of God is. Uh, homosexuality is not God's best. We yeah. call it sin. But I just want to say it clearer. It's that's yeah. what sin is, not God's best. That's exactly uh, so right. It's that's not right. about judging a person. It's about God wanting our very best. Mm-hmm. But so in identifying it here as a sin, um, and somebody spoke to it again, that it's not like it's classified differently. Right, right. Like, well, you know, well, here's all the things I've done, and that's y'all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, let's just, let's just be fair. Yeah. Whatever you did, put Jesus on the cross. Yeah. That's right. You know. Um, but so the question, though, becomes in this, because it becomes for people an identity uh, and a struggle built, w- built around it with so much shame um, and even hardness of heart at times, how do we want to uh, relate to or deal with people that, that we may be interacting with who find themselves in this lifestyle or struggling with same-sex attraction? I think the biggest is to point them to Jesus in the scripture and have them find their identity in him. Find ways that they can see themselves through who he is throughout scripture. Um, I know I already said that, but for me, that was the biggest thing. Like someone told me, don't focus on the sin that you're struggling with. Just read scripture and try to find where you identify with Jesus at. So as I was able to do that, I was able to find more of who I was because then I realized Jesus struggled with brokenness. Mm. Yeah, he did. You know, having to, you know, go and die on the cross, you know, that challenge, you know, where he, he's asking the Father to take it from him. Um, so that was a sign of his brokenness before the Father. Um, also being rejected by the very people that were supposed to love him. So when I was able to see myself in those same circumstances, just from different perspective, uh, it really helped me a lot. So that's one thing I would say that is a big thing to really give guidance to people to really find Jesus for themselves through their own identity 
and not try to modify or shape it for them. And I think that's been the challenge. We've tried to shape people through modifying their behavior, but really it's supposed to be totally opposite. We're supposed to help them be transformed in their heart, mm -hmm. and then the heart will help transform the behavior. That's so good. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah, so we're on the journey to love people. How yeah. would you say we should yeah. relate, relate to folks that we're struggling? Um, just get to know them. Take time to build that relationship because really you can't really do anything unless you have relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus created relationship when he died on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. So he opened up the door for relationship with him. We as people need to be in relationship and not fear them for who they were or, or even if they're still in the struggle and stop looking at what they're struggling with and saying, hey, how do you really feel about just who you are? Mm -hmm. And ask those questions and, and get to know them. And don't say, well, when you get fixed, come in. I can help you. It's mm -hmm. no, hey, who are you? Hi, I'd like to get to know you. Just building that relationship. I mean, I do that now. I do not minister to homosexuals in the way that, oh, I'm saved. Let's go get them all. That's not how it works. <laughs> it's God actually puts me in places where I run into where I'm able to talk and just get to know them. I don't say, hey, you got to come out. I, I, I don't push Jesus on them. I just be who Jesus is in me. Yes, mm -hmm. good. And I love them. And, and if they have questions, I'll answer. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I take time to just get to know who they are. You know, I, I have a way of being able to see into a person, and I'll ask a hard question that's just kind of like, whoa. Mm -hmm. But it opens up a doorway for us to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the way it is, you know. It's, are we ready to sit with a couple, a gay couple at the time, pull it straight out, baby. and be okay with having that conversation with them as who they are right then in their condition that they are? Yeah. Are we okay with that? Are we okay in church to allow them to come in and sit next to each other and be who they are and still love on them and not be offended? Yeah, yeah, that's a good That's word. the key. And it's just building that relationship. Who are we to tell them that they have to change? That's God's job, <laughs> not ours. Mm -hmm. It's just our job to love yeah. and yeah, open yeah, up yeah. a doorway that they feel that, wow, there's something here. But that's Jesus. Yeah, come on. And, and that's that's the only thing that we can do. Yeah. As you say that, Holly, I'm remembering a couple of verses. The first one, love is the only thing that never fails. In the scripture, there's only one thing God says never fails, and it's love. Mm -hmm. And love is a person. There's also only one thing he uses to describe himself. He's, it says in, in, I think it's first or second John, God is what? What is he? Love. He is love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And then when you look at the context of Romans 1, okay, so that same mm -hmm. chapter that was preached to you, it's actually, it goes through that whole first component and it comes out and it says, it is the goodness and kindness of God that draws men to repentance. That's right. That's right. So you've got these two bookends of it. It's the goodness and kindness of God that draws men to repentance and that goes into the abomination and how it starts with thanklessness, not being thankful. Right? Talks about the lifestyle. And then it's bookended in with the other scripture that says, judge not, mm -hmm. for wherein you judge another, you condemn your own self, because you do the very same things. Yes. Those are the two bookends for that entire chapter. 
Don't you remember that you yourselves were also in sin? Right. So that whole chapter of Romans 1, that's what God is really talking about. He's saying, listen, church. Hello. Ding, ding, ding. Do you remember the sin I saved you from? And remember when it's difficult. When, because when you do come out of certain behaviors, you do feel the pressure of, oh, I can't. I, I've got to be careful because you're, we're yeah. still, you know, maybe struggling or trying to figure it out ourselves, right? So sometimes what you're, you're feeling from individuals is really just, oh, Jesus, help me stay strong enough to help someone else be strong. <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> That's just the reality of it. Truth. Amen. Can anyone else relate? Okay. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, we, they, we do get into that a little bit of that hierarchy thing and judgment thing. But it's really all about love. Yeah. Yeah. And love never fails. Yeah. It never fails. So good. Ever. May I just, my mother taught me that. Yeah. After on. my mother was healed from her trauma from my father and everything, you know, my mom, she got with the Lord and finally the Lord instantly delivered her after quite a few years of struggle. She, she emanated love. Mm -hmm. And there's many people who have known my mother for a long time and she is a loyal, loving person and never judged anyone. Mm -hmm. She trusted me. She loved me. We had a great relationship. And she was honest with me. Mm -hmm. Always honest. But no matter who I was with, she still embraced them in love mm -hmm. and never mm -hmm. judged. Yeah. And so she showed me how to love and accept love as far as from my mother. I had a hard time doing it from other people, but I could trust my mother's love because it was pure. So good. And I knew she was on my side, even though she did not believe in what I was doing. Yeah. She honored me still with love, and I respected her yeah. enough to continue to trust her because yeah. she had that relationship, and that was the key. So she showed me what that was supposed to look like. That's so good. Yeah. I think uh, if I could frame it what I feel like I'm hearing mm -hmm. uh, I think when we ask the question you know how do you relate how do you deal with someone who's who's in struggle I think the answer is so simple it's it's love but what does that mean mm -hmm. is when you see look at the person yeah. across from you you see a person yeah. you see God's greatest treasure yes. that's right, that's right. <laughs> and you see them as in, infinitely valuable regardless of what mess they may be wearing that's right you know inside or outside that when I look at you how do I deal with you as a treasure that's right as God's greatest treasure mm -hmm. is who you are the one he's willing to go to the cross for mm -hmm. and I think of how Jesus dealt with people in sin what you're talking about essentially is like lead them to Jesus right and that's where people get changed like nobody was afraid to get their sin in front of Jesus because he saw them as valuable yeah, and right. treated them with value. But he also, in the encounter, changed them, mm -hmm. right? We think of the woman caught in adultery, where was the man? But that's another topic. <laughs> uh, you know, and they, <laughs> and they throw her at the feet of Jesus, and she knows. She knows she's wrong, yeah. but he, in that moment, does so much. He clears the deck. He gives her value, dismisses all the accusation, all the shame. And once he's done that, valued her, loved her, looked at her, lifted her up, and looked her in the eyes, then he says, now go. That's right. Now because the shame is gone, the accusation's gone, and now that you've touched me, you can live different. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And that's what you were saying. Like, let bring them to Jesus. Yeah. And that encounter with Jesus gives them power to go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, it makes our job easy. Yes. If we, we learn to, to be communities that value human beings. 
Yeah. We say that we are, but it, regardless of whether they're in the womb or out of the womb or yeah. have a different sexual preference they're choosing right now, to value the human in front of us will go a long way to bringing them to Jesus who can transform them. Yeah. He's really good at it. Amen. Yeah, he is. That's so good. You're talking, and I'm seeing that scene in my mind's eye. Totally. And I'm just remembering, he drew that line in the sand. Mm. And I feel like in the spirit, and really in our nation, Father God's drawing a line in the sand. Shh. Just picture the finger dropping, and he's dragging it. He's dragging it across, and he's saying, Church, you who haven't sinned, throw the first stone. And we have an opportunity unlike any other in the history, really, of the world. Whenever in the history of the world have we been in a situation where people are being so like, this is who I am, this is where I'm at, this is how I identify. Mm. Never. Mm. It's the first time in the history of the world. Unlike any time in the history of the world, we have an opportunity to show forth the true heart of God and draw a line in the sand and say, you who hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. And at the same time, I bid you come and see that he is good. Amen. That he is loving, Amen. that he is kind, that he is more than enough for whatever's going on in here. Yeah, I think we do need to dismiss in our church culture, so Christian culture, every bit of accusation and shame yes. that we lay on people. Yeah, come um, on. Because that's not going to get them to Jesus. Yeah, come and, on. And we're creating communities where people can be Except it in the middle of their struggle. That's right. And, yeah. and where else are they going to find the healing? Mm -hmm. you know, I think we have to dismiss the accusation in our own hearts and yeah. the things we don't understand. Yeah. The fear of the unknown. I've never known anybody mm -hmm. like right, this. Right, you right. know, how know do I do? do? What's going to happen right. to me? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're going to learn to love somebody. That's right. <laughs> and he's enough. Yeah. Like when we had our conversations, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, Jesus, I don't know what to say. He's like... You don't have to say nothing. Right. Shut it right. and just be good and kind. Was that like, was the word of the Lord. Shut yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good He's word. Like, like, don't try to manufacture something was kind of the word, right? right? Like, yeah. stop. Just be good and be kind and listen and share with him what worked with you. Share with her what worked with you. I was like, oh, well, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Well, I think we have one last question we want to hit on today. Yeah. You guys ready? Um, this is a little more um, pointed, not as heavy, but what would you say today to someone who is struggling with mm -hmm. issues of gay, lesbianism, bisexualism, even just same-sex attraction? And this is for anyone that may be hearing, but to equip us yeah. you know, with an answer for, for those we may know and love. What would you say to that person sitting in front of you? They are struggling. They, they don't want it. What, what, what would you say? One, I would tell them that God loves them. Um, first and foremost, I think it's important to let them know that they're loved. Yeah. And that no matter where they're at in their struggle, um, that his love is not going to change. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. And then I'll always say it, but always take them to the scripture doesn't mean you got to whip out a Bible and, you know, like, oh, well, Scripture says this. But really uh, kind of helping them to identify with Jesus without necessarily maybe taking them through that 
real biblical process, but maybe in a more biblical worldview process. Mm -hmm. So just kind of asking them, you know, like, okay, well, if this is your struggle, what do you, what do you know to be true about Jesus and who he is to you? Because mm -hmm. I think when you can help someone that's struggling pull things out of them and then to find what they do know, it helps them to kind of take their mind off of that specific struggle. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that it's going to go away that day. It doesn't mean that they're going to wake up tomorrow and not have the same struggle. But when you find to take them on a different route away from that without it being the focal point of trying to set them free or help them get deliverance, mm. it allows God organically to bring them into his truth. And so that's what Stephanie did with me. She never once took me to the scripture and said, well, you know, the scripture says this. And <laughs> based on the scripture, you're basically going to <laughs> yeah, hell today. Exactly. She never did that. But she would ask me questions like, okay, well, what do you know to be true about who you are in Jesus right now outside of the struggle? So little questions like that helped along the journey because it allowed me to evaluate myself without trying to evaluate um matt who was the homosexual at the time i was able to take away that and just say okay this is who i know matt is right now that's good um even within mm -hmm. the struggle yeah come on and what you have wow it's uh it's it's so situational with people with this lifestyle mm -hmm. everyone has a different reason for going yeah, into that's it that's a really good point yeah. and you just never know where a person's at i mean no one knew about my past mm -hmm. some people knew some things but there were some things that i have today i've never told anyone and it wasn't because it, because i was afraid to it was because the lord said hold until i had to get some healing first yeah come on and so you know when i'm the way that I, the Lord dealt with me is he's, he, he told me who I was. Mm -hmm. But to understand who I was, I had to go back. I had to go back and undo what was done mm -hmm. so that I could meet that person that I was created to be. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I wasn't already standing in it because when you come to the Christ, when you come to the cross, you are made new, you're transformed. But yet I had this old man that still needed to be healed mm -hmm. right 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 and so i asked questions what happened i asked questions why do you believe this mm -hmm. in your life don't look at my life why do you believe this in your own life mm, that's good how did you yeah. get there yeah what is the actual struggle why are you struggling back and forth what is causing you to not make up your mind because that's a question in itself yeah yeah, yeah. that's good you know my mind was made up because I got tired of men trying to do things to me. And I just wanted someone to love me, so I found a safe place to do it. Yeah, 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 come on. So I made my choice. Some people don't understand their choice yet. Somebody, like you said, vacillating back and forth, they don't get it. They don't understand. They're struggling with that decision. Why, why are you struggling? And so those are the questions you want to ask and make, you know, put it on them because really it's, them who needs to discover the truth mm -hmm. you know be that loving person who's willing to listen that's so good well. yeah i'm hearing both of you say ask questions yeah, yeah. ask questions and go after the heart so <coughs> anyone that's had coaching training 
You know, Jesus asked, he did, what is it, like 300 questions and gave, I see it's 300 and some questions. I can't remember any of this. Scotty knows the exact number. <laughs> but he asked more questions than he did tell people answers. Mm. At the woman at the well. Think about the woman at the well. What did he do? He asked her a question. Mm. The woman caught in adultery. What did he do? He asked her a question. Yeah. So often, it, it was the because the when we ask a question, out of the mouth flow the issues of the heart. It gives the person an opportunity to share their heart and where they're at. And then you're able to speak to the heart and not from your mind or what you think or what you know. And I just was thinking, like, Lord, what would I say now? And I, I think one of the things I would say is that the way out is through, through the pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, regardless of where, what the struggle is or what's causing the struggle, I think one of the things we do so often is we feel pain, so we do the wall thing or the avoidance thing or the relational thing or w something to fill the, kind of like you said, the hole or the void. Mm. We're looking to fill the hole in the void. Um, but, but we do that when we're running away from the pain. But when we do an about face and we say, you know what? I'm going to face this thing head on. Why am I hurting so bad? Why am I hurting so bad? And we, we do that in the context of a relationship with Christ or others who know him who can come alongside us. It, is, it will absolutely change our lives. When you were speaking earlier, Matt, I had forgotten about this until you started sharing again. But then the other thing I would say is that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And if we want peace and joy, the righteousness is given to us as a gift. Right. Yeah. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, whosoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. He basically says, if you believe, I literally picture a gift, a box. He says, my righteousness is a gift to you in place of your inability to be righteous and holy. And when we focus on that fact, I am righteous. Maybe you struggle with alcoholism. Maybe you struggle with sexual sin. I don't know what it is. You're dr taking a drink and you can't stop. Maybe you smoke weed. I don't know. Whatever it is for you, right? But you just can't stop. Here you go. You decree and declare that over yourself. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You might feel like a hypocrite. Here I go. I'm having another beer. I'm having another this. I'm having another joint. I'm having another relationship. I'm sleeping with somebody else. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you keep telling yourself that. And one day what happens is it all falls away. And you go, this doesn't satisfy me anymore because right. the whole is filled with him and the reality of who you are. And that transformation takes place. So good. I think if I could say one thing to somebody, in regardless of what their struggle is, but specifically in this area, I would just say there is so much hope. Yeah. There's come on. so much hope. Yeah. Come on. There's never a drought of hope, you know, in Jesus, because He's living hope. Mm -hmm. You know, and and wherever you find yourself in your struggle, in your journey, if this is your struggle or that's your struggle, to understand that it's not the end of the story. Yeah. Until mm -hmm. God's done. And he's not done, you know, <laughs> you know, and I think that people need to understand because we get so uh, lost sometimes in our pain. We get lost in our in our darkness at, at yeah. different times. And just to say there is hope. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. It's yeah, does, this is not the end of your story. Right. I think uh, it's such an important truth to, to draw mm -hmm. people forward in Christ, to give them the opportunity to come yeah. uh, and encounter him. 
and be transformed. There, there's hope. I mean, mm -hmm. he is hope. Looking in, in the eyes of Jesus is hope forever. Yeah. Uh, and I think we need to hear that, you know, when we're, when we're struggling, when, we're, when we feel trapped. Mm -hmm. uh, you know the one with the keys to get you out of the jail. Yeah, you know? come on There's now. hope. Come on. So I think that's what I would say to anyone who, who is bold enough to ask. Yeah, you know, come on. You know, what, what would you tell me? There's a little, so much hope. Yeah. That's so awesome. Can I say something to the, please? Yeah. You know, I'd, li I'd like to speak to the church because my journey was about that mm -hmm. coming out. Mm -hmm. My journey was about the church because I came from rules and religion and, and legalism. And, and so, and then when I came into the church, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know how to live up to a lot of things. Yeah, come on. I felt that I had to live up to a certain place to be a part mm. and you know I've had to learn transparency mm. you know it was a struggle it was a struggle to be transparent when I felt like I was still hiding in a closet because religion said I couldn't say anything mm -hmm. you know and if we are a church are going to help people be whole then we have to be willing to just be ourselves and unmask completely. Yeah. And you're right about that. It's, you know, it's about unmasking. It's about being willing to um, be vulnerable and, hey, I've been in that, I've been in this place. Here's how I got out. Mm -hmm. It does even if it has nothing to do with what I'm going through, you're willing to be just as vulnerable. You know, I was surrounded by so many people who said, you know, I don't want drama. What is that? Mm. Honey, say, life is drama. Everyday life <laughs> you is drama. You have no relationships. But you they don't, don't want to deal with <laughs> what people are going through. And yeah. if we're going to be real, yeah, if on. we're going to help these people who are out there who have not met Jesus, we have got to be able to be real. Yeah. And life is messy. That's a really good point. Life is messy. It is. Okay. So this is the reality. If we really want to do the church the way Jesus did the church, look at his disciples. Seriously. They were a hot mess. They were a hot <laughs> mess, okay? Straight up hot mess. So if we're going to help people, there's going to be drama. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen. Listen. You need to become an expert on drama. On drama. <laughs> and people who carry oh, it. No. That's right. I'll tell you why. Because we all have it. I'm and out. sometimes you don't know you have it until you get in the middle of a press and you're like, oh, dear Jesus, I I'm the queen. <laughs> help me help me okay it's but true. that's what family does yes. okay covenant so family does not leave you when you flare up in the drama queen mode or drama king mode we, we call it diva mode as musicians okay they don't leave that's we right. have a conversation we talk about it we process it and we go man that sucked but praise God, but we talk about God. it, and we're better now on the other yes. side of the conversation than yes. we were going into it because yeah. we loved truth, but we spoke the truth in love. Amen? Yes. yes. Come on. Yes. Yeah. That's what the body looks like. Yeah. That's what healthy family looks like, right? You got to go there. We got to go there. And really, you set us up perfectly for what we call the activation, okay? Now, that's church ease. So do we want to do that first or share the follow-up resources first? No, definitely do the activation first. All right, let's do it. Yeah, do the activation first. I mean, let's, Wait, I'm like ready to bless people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want right now. 
Yes, because <laughs> the, the resources are coming up in a minute. Okay. I'm, I feel a fire in my belly. Let's do it. <laughs> okay? We, our goal today is for every one of us, me included, Jesse included, all of us to leave changed in some way. Come on. Every time you come to gather as the body of Christ, you should leave different. Yeah. You should leave different. Why? Because we're meeting face to face with the creator of the world and he loves us. Amen. Okay? So we're just going to take a quick second and we're going to have an encounter with the Lord mm. and then we're going to share some practical resources. Okay? Jesse's very good at this. I wanna, he's going to walk you through all that. And I did add one, Jesse, just so you know, here's what awesome. it looks like. <laughs> but right now, I just want you to close your eyes, okay, out of honor for the people around you. And as a prophetic sign, go ahead and open your hands before you like you're going to receive a gift from God because he's going to talk to you. When yeah. we come before God, every time we come before him, he always speaks. Amen. And you can hear his voice because you're created in his image. And I just want you to say, Jesus. Jesus. And if you're willing, say, I'm willing to be demasked. I'm willing to be demasked. Please show me now. Please show me now. What area you would like me to take my mask off in. You would like me to take my mask off in. And I want you to listen. You may see a picture. You may remember a scripture. There may be an example or something you've been struggling with that's coming up right now. And the first thing the enemy's going to do is he's going to try and come and make you feel bad about that thing. No, you put that thought aside right now. And I want you to picture Jesus on the cross, decreeing and declaring, it is finished. Mm -hmm. And then you ask yourself, is that enough to pay the price for that thing? And if it is, you just say yes. And receive it from him. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're sitting here and you're listening to this today, and you're going, man, I mean, I've known about God, but I've never known him. I've never asked him to be in personal relationship with me. And you're going, I need to be saved. I want that new DNA. I want to be yeah, a new yeah. creation. You just ask him right now. It's a matter of a conversation between you and him. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. Just say, save me. Yeah. Save me. I don't get it. I don't understand this. What I do know is I want that righteousness, peace, and joy thing she's talking about, Daddy. And you know what he's saying to you right now? He's saying, welcome to the family. Amen. Welcome to the family. Yeah. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. You will not die in this sin, daughter. You will not die in this sin, son of God. You were created to do great exploits in his name. Great exploits. You were created to change the world. You were created to look like the prototype. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, and it is possible. We've been told it is not, but it is. And he chose you before the foundations of the earth to carry the message, the greatest message in the history of the world, the message of God himself coming yes. in the form of man. Mm -hmm. 
to die for a broken world and freely give them the very thing they need, his righteousness, so that they can be reconciled to the perfect father. Father, I just ask you to release hope about every heart. God, those today who maybe we've even uh, touched on nerves, God, and they wonder how, how can I move from this place? God, I pray that today you would release uh, divine hope in the name of Jesus to every heart, to every soul, to every mind, God, that we would uh, leave from this moment holding your hand into a better horizon, God, into a new space, into a new life even, God. God, for those who maybe even today are hiding their struggle, God, they take your hand into the light, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been watching, you've been listening, I just ask that you would just go before Daddy and that you would just let him love you where you're at. Yeah. That his, his love is not based upon your struggle or what you're in right now but that his love is because he created you for his his fellowship to be one with him so i just encourage you to just take time to find what you know is true about jesus and the word and what you know is true about yourself and to let it be a journey let it to be a process that no one is expecting your behavior to change tomorrow, next week, That's right. but that God cares more about your heart transformation more than anything. Yeah. I love this picture, um, and I'm seeing this door open into a very dark room, and that's it's like you're standing in this dark room afraid to come out, afraid of what, what's going to happen, or think you have to get it together before you walk out of that darkness and the Lord just says, no, no, you just make a choice. Step out of that dark space and into my light and I will do the rest. Yeah. And I just feel like there's someone, some ones who you're even afraid to admit to yourself that you've been standing in a dark place. Just drop the shame today. Mm-hmm. Hear the voice of Jesus calling you out, calling you out and into the fellowship of unapproachable light. His righteousness is a gift that you would step in today and if that's you just take the step in your heart towards say lord i'm scared but i'm taking the step uh, i don't know what's going to happen next but i'm taking this step i'm choosing no longer to to hide in this dark space i don't want it anymore i'm going to take a step into the light i just encourage you to do that whatever your issue may be whatever your struggle may be you've been hiding and time's up Time to get out of hiding. Yeah, yes. come on. Yes. I just hear the Lord saying that you were created before the foundations of this world. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And the Lord says, I made your path. Mm-hmm. I know where you're at right now. I knew you were going to be here, and I'm still here for you. He says, just open yourself to me. Reach out to me, and I will give you the answer that you're looking for. To take my word that I created you for a purpose and I have such great plans for you. You were not a mistake. You were not created to be in this mess that you were in. I have so much more for you. Just reach out to me, he says.
so your therapy for the rest of the week is just to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, okay? Jesus. We say that a lot around here. It's good. Because it is finished. The spiritual reality, a spiritual shift just took place inside of you. And the enemy might still try to come against your mind, but you just say, thank you, Jesus. Want to <laughs> practice? You ready? Thank you. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Okay? It really is already done. It is finished. Awesome. Okay? And you'll start to see that manifest over the next several days, and you'll see, see that shift take place. We love you so much. We do have a couple resources we wanted to share with you, and I'm going to let um, Pastor Jesse do that, and I'll kind of pull through them. Well, these aren't all mine, so uh, uh, this was probably your suggestion. We just wanted to each come up with a next step for people who may want to learn more, grow more, or those who may be struggling to find wholeness. So we each added a few. So you tell us about Graham. Um, the Lord led me to Graham Cook, and he has an amazing story in itself, but what he is good at is bringing you to your true identity, and he speaks from the Father's heart, and he has many CDs where he will prophetically speak from the Father's heart, but it speaks right to your soul. And I would listen to them nightly, nightly. And as I went to sleep, they would be playing when I wake up. And it would get into my spirit and break through areas that I couldn't break through. And they're like declarations? Yes, okay. declarations, yeah. but they were who I was created mm -hmm. to be. Okay. And it, it, it broke through areas that I couldn't break through. It softened me up. And it led me to like, wow, if he says this, where is this in the word? How do I find this? Mm -hmm. And so that's, he was just such a great tool for me. Yeah, I've heard his stuff too. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. So the podcast called Brilliant Perspectives, you can find wherever you podcast. There's also a website, brilliantperspectives.com. Check that out. Yes. The one I brought to the table is a fairly new ministry called The Changed Movement. I don't know if you see the picture. It's a screenshot of their Instagram account, which is really fun to follow if you're on an Insta because mm -hmm. they regularly, like, weekly share different people's stories just like this, people sharing their story, where they've been, what Jesus did, where they are today. It's so fun to hear the goodness of God yeah. transforming lives. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's called The Changed Movement. You can find them on Instagram, but they have a website as well where lots of stories, but also resources for believers, for the church. Um, there's nothing more powerful than an overcoming testimony, and yeah. that's really what they, yeah. they aim to. But they're also getting involved um, just in bringing righteous legislation and things like that into place. So it's just a great movement to follow, uh, whether you're interested to learn more or if you're struggling. Awesome. Awesome. This yeah. one's yours. Oh. You, you recommended yeah. Jackie Hill. Gay Perry. girl, good God. Okay. Jackie Hill Perry, if you're not familiar with her, she's got a beautiful testimony coming out, figuring out life. And she goes into depth in regards to discipleship programs and her teaching programs just to help people on the journey out. She keeps it real. She says, you know, gives some real practical advice and practical experiences of her own. You can find her on YouTube. She's, she's very, YouTube very relatable, yeah. a lot of fun. I think um, she's a great resource as well. So yeah, she's got a great YouTube. She There's does, yep. the book. Yep, she's got a Gay Girl, yeah. Good God. Gay I haven't read it, God, but yep. I've heard good things. And Fantastic. then her, her website. Mm -hmm. What about this book? And this is one that just kind of came up this morning. I kind of edited it last minute. And for those of you that are like, look, I've had people that I've worked with or discipled or led to the Lord, and they're like, Stephanie, I need like a manual. <laughs> I need like, I don't know how to do this Christian life. I don't know anything. I don't know what to do. And um, we recently had Joan Hunter come, and she is so normal 
okay? Mm -hmm. She flows in healing, she travels all over the world, but she's a very normal, easy to talk to, practical person. I absolutely love her. Um, and she wrote a book called Life Essentials for Christian Living. It's super 101, basics, easy to read, but everything you'll need to feel a little bit more comfortable in a Christian environment, okay? So that's another resource, and that can be found online, all right? So all that said, I mean, did you all enjoy yourself today? So good. Were you encouraged? Can we thank God for these two brave souls? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I just want to honor Pastor Jesse. He's done this several yes, times, and you. when we talked about this two years ago, he said to me, if you're going to have that conversation, Stephanie, I want to be a part of it. Oh, yeah, I invited myself. Yeah, I love it. I was like, that's my brother from another mother. So I just thank you so much for your oh, insight. For it was invaluable, it. and you did a fantastic job. And um, we hope to have conversations like this in the future. We hope you enjoyed yourself. There's some COVID safe snacks out there. <laughs> Please help yourself. And if you need prayer or healing, Matt's going to put some music on. We always pray for everybody. We already had a couple healings in the house, and me up here up front, Bob got healed. We were pretty excited about that. So uh, we love you, and God loves you. Okay? We'll look yes. forward to seeing you. Our service is at 2.30. If you want to join us, come on back, 719 East Cesar Chavez. Oh, yes. and we always forget to take an offering. God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> if you'd like to give... It's up there on the table. You do what Daddy says. We love you, and he's, he's got us. So God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Amen. Um, those of you here, if, uh, this was live streamed and will be available for how long, Matt? 30, 60, 90 days? Okay, so we can get you the video link. He can get it for you if you want to have that to share with somebody. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for being awesome in the back. Yeah, thank you, Matt. You rock.
Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.